tell you what, I just love the nine o'clock service. You must be like the coffee drinkers of the church because y'all come like all pumped up and y'all like to visit. It's like a family reunion. Come on, isn't that true? <laughs> Girl, I hadn't seen you in seven days. Oh my goodness. What'd you do to your hair? <laughs> well, good morning. Let's welcome our guests this morning, church. Can we do that? Can we give our guests a big hand? Thank you for being with us this morning. We just want you to do one thing for us here at Our Savior's Church. If you'll grab this Connect card, this is your first time. Just fill it out sometime during the service. At the end of the worship, or at the end of my message, you can just, when we dismiss, you can just leave this on your seat. We'd love to have a record of you being with us this morning. So thank you for being here today. Uh, we're, by the way, we're one church with three locations, uh, Jennings, Eunice, and Crowley. And God's doing some amazing things in all of our campuses, and we're so, so very, very proud of that and very excited to be a part of what God's doing. <clears throat> well, this morning we're going to continue uh, with a series that we've been in for two weeks now called Crazy. Uh, we've been in this series called Crazy, and we're talking about um, how to get out of the chaos, how to, get, how to get out of the craziness of this busy life. How many of you w- w- have asked a question maybe in the last week or two, like, how does this, how do we just get out of this? You ever ask that? Like, like, how do we, like, like, where's the kill switch? Like, where's the, where's the break on the train? How do we stop this thing? And so I think for all of us, we have seasons that we go through where life gets crazy. And if you're in a, a peaceful season right now, I just want to tell you that all of us are jealous of you. <clears throat> right? And we're glad for you, but it's, it's, we're just jealous. So today I want to, I want to bring the third part of this series to you. And, and I want to take a look at our theme verse and in this verse, Jesus is telling us what will happen in the end times. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says this, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus is saying, be careful, or your hearts will be what? Weighed down. You see, what happens when life gets crazy is we get weighed down. He says, be careful or your hearts will get weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, watch this, and the anxieties of life. I find it interesting that he puts carousing, drunkenness, and anxiety in the same sentence. Ruh-ro, I'm a Christian, I quit drinking a long time ago. Yeah, but you're anxious. Weighed down, and that day, he says, will close on you suddenly like a trap. So today I'm going to talk to you about the, 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 the number one source of stress that you've communicated back to us that causes you stress, and that's finances. We've done surveys over the years, and every single time, finances come back as one of the, the leading causes of stress in all of us. <clears throat> they say financial stress is, the, is, the, is like the... It's like the greatest enemy of a healthy marriage is financial stress. How many of you have experienced some financial stress? Maybe you've been a little short. Maybe you've not made enough. Maybe you're stressed right now with your finances, but finances. I'm convinced as a pastor that most people aren't stingy. They're just strapped. They're just strapped. When you look over the body of Christ today, when I look over this congregation, I know some of you, and I go, I know your heart, I know you're not stingy, I just think you might be strapped. I can see that you want to do more, I can see that you want to be more generous, I can see that you got this passion to help others and to do this, but you're strapped. 
And you can be strapped financially, you can be strapped with time, you can be strapped with your abilities because you're giving them to too many other places that don't really matter. Strapped. So today I want to help out. And I hope you want some help. We have two resources that are very precious to us as humans. The first resource is time. The second one is money. How many of you would agree? Time and money are some important resources. Shake your head. Yes. Yeah. Without money, you say, I don't need money. I got Jesus. Yeah, okay. Okay. How's it working for you? Time. You know, you can look at your calendar and see how much you appreciate the time that you're given. Because here's the truth. All of us are given 24 hours in a day, right? Every single one of us has the exact same amount of time every day all year long. Nobody gets an extra second. Nobody gets shortchanged, right? God's not playing favorites. We all get 24 hours to the dot. If I was to look at your calendar, your calendar would say to me how important time is to you. If you don't have a calendar, it would say to me that you're a free spirit and you don't care much about time and you just go whichever way the wind blows, baby. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. And you're like, oh, I've been meaning to do that calendar. If I looked at your checking account, it would tell me where your heart is. Jesus said, if you want to know where your heart is, just look for your treasure, because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. It was his words, not mine. Don't get mad at me. Don't mean mug me. So if I look at your checkbook, I can tell how important your finances are. If I look at your calendar, I can tell how important your time is to you. As a preacher, I'm obligated to tell you the truth. I wish I could sit up here or stand here and give you a fluffed up message on finances today. And then you would say, oh, pastor, that was a great message at the end of service. I might not get that today. I've already prepared myself. Me and God dealt with my insecurities, and I'm good, I think. Maybe, almost, could be. (laughs) But the Bible has a lot to say about finances, right? 16 out of the 38 parables Jesus shared were on possessions and money. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deal directly with money. Now, if God chose who, who God chose what was in the Bible, God, God it breathed on man to write what was in this book. So God ordained every single word that is written in this book. If he ordained that many verses and that many times for it to be talked about money and possessions, then he must have known that it's going to be very important to us. He must have known that it could either make us or break us. I mean, if God put it that many times, maybe he's trying to get us a message. There's more verses in the Bible on our possessions than heaven and hell combined. Isn't that that fascinating? Yet money can be such a tricky topic to talk about. I want to use a story this morning of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 to show us maybe how we're creating some of our own stress. And then also show us how we can live a life of peace. Number one, why are we stressed out? Number one, we're stressed out because we're consumed with having more. If you're taking notes, we're consumed 
with having more. Question, when is enough enough? I asked myself that when my wife asked me that question whenever Virginia bakes cookies at the house. When is enough enough? I've always thought when your stomach starts hurting. I thought that was like God's indicator that, hey, you've eaten too much, bro. Like if you get an upset stomach, okay, I need to back off the cookies for a minute. And whatever that number is, it is, right? But really, how much is enough? When do you get to the point where enough is enough? Ecclesiastes says this, very wise words. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Wow. This one, this one hits me uh, and reminds me of when I was in business. Man, I wanted to grow so fast when I had my own business. I wanted to be so successful. I wanted to move up fast. I wanted to be the biggest concrete company in all of Louisiana. I wanted to be the big dog. I wanted to make the most money. I was excited. I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more. Only to nine years later find myself completely burned out, stressed out, and about to give up on everything. My pursuit of more almost took everything that I loved and cherished away from me. Ecclesiastes says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Is that enough? Is one handful enough? I mean, listen, we're all going to win. If you're a born again Christian, you're going to win. You might not win in business on this, on this planet, but you're going to win in life. You're going to win in eternity, right? The streets will be paved with gold. The stuff we're stressing out with is going to be pavement in heaven. I'm really curious to see what that's going to look like. Gold streets. I'm, I've poured a lot of streets with concrete. I'm, let's just let's see what gold's going to look like. But some of us live by this rule, if one dollar is good, two is better, Right? One donut is good, two is better. Come on, come on, say it with me. If one wife is good, two is, it's wrong. It's wrong. You better quit that. It's wrong. But our culture's definition of happiness is more than I currently have. Why is it that we're so anxious and so hot to pursue more? Gotta have more, gotta have more, gotta have more. When I got out of business, when I finally got out of business and Cheryl and I were pastoring full-time, God put some key people in my life for a season, a short season, and it was two older guys, 60 plus. Older, I didn't say old, I said older, older than me, 45. He put two guys in my life, all of a sudden we became friends out of the blue, and we would start doing things together, and it was like God hitched me together with those guys. And we would go do projects together, just like hobby stuff, and I would be wanting to go 100 miles an hour, and they're like, no, nah, bro, let's just slow down. Well, they wouldn't say bro. I mean, they're over 60. You know, they don't say bro when you're over 60. He'd be like, no, son, just, just calm down. It's going to be all right. And for a season of my life, if I felt like God strapped me to some, to some older mules that broke me. And I needed that breaking. I needed to be broken. I was in a pursuit of more. They taught me how to be satisfied with what I have and make the most of what you do have right now. They taught me Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. They taught me how to have tranquility. 
So back to the prodigal son in Luke 15, it says this, that not long after, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. Luke 15, 11, let's go back. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. The prodigal son says to his father, I know one day I'm going to get an inheritance. I know one day when you die, you're going to leave me something, but I want it now. Give it to me now. He came early. He, he jumped the gun. He went to his father and he says, give me my inheritance now. And then we pick up the next verse. It says, and not long after that, well, the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, to, got together all that he had and he took off. Now, we can read that story and we can look at him like, like he's just a rebellious young man that has no direction in his life. But if we're really examining it with an open heart, we'll start to realize that some of that is still inside of me. I still got some prodigal inside of me. I still want some things now. Come on, somebody. Am I in the right church? I still want some things now. I want more than what I currently have. Number two. We get stressed out when we want everything now. <laughs> we want it now. You know, credit card companies love college campuses. More college kids come out of college with more debt than anything else. Do you know it's so bad that our society wants things now that the credit card companies, and this has been happening for years, the credit card companies have been targeting your kids. Oh, yeah. I, I heard there was a, I didn't own one, but I heard there was a Barbie called the cashier Barbie or something like that. And she had a, a cash register and she had a credit card. And when you would swipe the credit card, we go, bling. What's happening? They're brainwashing your kids to swipe a card at a very young age. Say that's a problem. That's a major problem. Because a credit card gives you the ability to buy something now with money you haven't earned yet. Because you want it now. <laughs> I haven't earned it. In other words, you're banking on your future being perfect so that you can finance what you want right now. That hurts me too. There's young married couples that want the same house their parents had, but it took their parents 45 years to build what they had. Do you really have to have everything right now? Like, like one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself is, is this the right time? Not, not if I can have this or if I can afford this or, or can, I, can I do this now? The question is, is, is now the right time? Is this the right time to do what's burning in my heart to do? Or is there a better time? Come on. Verse 13 and 14 says, set off, he, the prodigal set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything. You know what squander is defined as? To waste in a reckless and foolish manner. Reckless and foolish. I think all of us at times have been reckless and foolish with our finances. I know I'm not the only one standing here who's ever been reckless and foolish. 
with something. He squandered it in wild living. Verse, I mean, number three, we're stressed out when we spend everything we have. When we spend everything. When we live paycheck to paycheck. Not holding any on the side. Not putting any emergency money away. Americans spend $240 billion in gambling alone. The average credit card has $16,000 in debt on it. The average American has three of those credit cards. Do the math on that. Say that's a lot. Too many times we're spending money on things we don't need to try to impress people we don't even really like. Isn't that true? Come on, we're guilty. All of us are guilty, right? Nobody's, nobody's perfect here this morning, right? It's sure is quiet in this church. <laughs> As a church, we, li- we, we live on 90% of our budget. We take last year's income and we budget this year's budget on 90% of what we brought in last year. We don't want to just assume that this year is going to be a better year and budget on 100% of our income last year. We would rather budget on 90%, have some margin for error, some margin for a disaster, uh, some margin for a storm. Amen? We need to be wise. Back to the prodigal that says there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. You see, he spent everything that he had. And right at the same time he spent all of his inheritance, a famine hits. How many of you know, it makes you want to go, well, what a coincidence. Isn't it right? Come on, you had those days. Where you get caught and you're unprepared. Famine happened on the day he was broke. Number four, we get stressed out when we're unprepared for storms. When we have no emergency money. Dave Ramsey says every one of us should have $1,000 in cash just for emergency money. Can I just be honest with you? That's hard to do. Sometimes that's hard to have $1,000 in cash because sometimes there's a lot of emergencies all back to back, <laughs> right? I mean, get you a couple kids and let a season, a flu season hit. Mm-hmm. You get $35 to death. Let me show you something found in Isaiah chapter 9 because we're stressed. But there's a way out. Isaiah 9, you, you, you'll be familiar with this verse. It usually comes around Christmas time. It says, for, un, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, last one important, Prince of Peace. That word prince does not talk about royalty. That word prince is actually the word sar, S-A-R, which means this, Lord, Chief, commander the one in charge so jesus is going to be the lord of peace if i could just translate for you this morning it says and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and lord of peace isn't that good jesus is lord of peace i find it interesting that the word lord is used 7800 times in the bible and the word savior is only used 36 times 
I wonder if God knew we were going to want a Savior before we wanted the Lord. Come on, a Savior feels kind of fuzzy and good. A Lord kind of feels awkward. Right? But he's the Lord of peace. And if we want peace, then he needs to be Lord in our lives. Amen? If you want, you can't get peace any other way besides going to him and letting him be the Lord of your life. You want peace? He has to be Lord. You've got to get off the throne, and he's got to get on there. If we want peace. I want to show you in a couple of verses how Lord and peace go hand in hand all throughout the scripture. Psalms 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Psalms 29 11, The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with what? With peace. It's funny, Lord and peace in the same verse. Acts chapter 10, verse 36, this is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. There is peace with God through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of all. When you do it the Lord's way, your return is peace. Come on now, you got to pay attention on this one because this is a good point. This one's going to change your life. When you do it his way, you get peace in return. When we do it my way or your way, we don't always get peace, right? But when we do it God's way, when we do it the Lord's way, we're guaranteed peace. You see, doing it God's way is kind of like coming underneath his protection and his provision. Uh oh. So one of them. I know. I don't believe in curses. So y'all can quit thinking that. You can open it up in church. See, when I do things the Lord's way, I'm underneath his protection and his provision and his covering. Make sense? Life is peaceful. The sun can't burn me, the rain can't drench me. I'm doing it the Lord's way. I'm under his covering. The minute I decide to do it my way, we put this to the side, and now we're exposed to the elements. Come on. If finances is such a big issue and it's such a big stress causer in our lives, then what if we do it God's way instead of our way, even if it means we have to wait a little while It's better to be with tranquility than toil. Amen? Thank you, Umbrella. You did a good job. So the prince, the Lord, has principles of peace. How many of you would agree that most of our stress comes when we ignore God's principles? It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. You're listening. Let me give you five principles of financial peace this morning. You're going to love these. I guarantee you're going to love the first one. These are just like so good. You may have to restrain yourself from shouting and saying amen and running around the church with a white handkerchief. Like that's how good these these principles are. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Here we go. Number one, your favorite word, obedience. Come on. 
<laughs> Obedience. Nudge your neighbor and say, get you some of that. Obedience. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. Come on, can I say that one more time? Tithing is not being generous. Tithing is being obedient. It's being obedient. Tithing is is consistent. It's joyful. It's thoughtful giving to God's church, the one that you attend. Can I say that one more time? The one that you attend. Because here's the reality. You don't eat at Popeye's and buy and pay at Burger King. Come on. You pay where you eat. (laughs) Yeah, I told you he's going to love this point. (laughs) Watch this. Tithing is a thank you note to God for all that he's given you. You see that? It's a thank you note. Anytime I take 10% of whatever he gives me and I give it back to him with a cheerful heart like the Bible says, that's a thank you note. Thank you, God, for providing for me. I'm so grateful because I realize that everything comes from your hand. You could take all of this away in a a second. There was two guys stranded on an island. One guy's freaking out, pacing back and forth. The other guy's laid up against a tree just enjoying the sun. The guy that's freaking out is going, dude, what's wrong with you? Why are you not freaking out? He said, bro, chill out. I make $100,000 a week. I tithe every week. My pastor will find me. (laughs) Just saying. Malachi chapter 3, watch this verse. I want to dare say this is one of those verses that changed my life and Cheryl's life and my family's life. I'll dare say that these are the verses that changed the direction of our family and the course. Malachi 3, verse 8 to 12. You ready for this? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you've robbed me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. When that verse, those verses changed my life, and I looked at Cheryl one day and I said, we will tithe every week. We made that decision 20 years ago. And we've not had to make that decision ever again. Because we purposed and said in our heart that with finances, we're going to be obedient with God. We're going to be obedient to God with our finances. I didn't care how it felt. I didn't care that sometimes it didn't look like it was going to be enough. I didn't care that things got scary. I said, baby, tithe. Now, she had a struggle. 
She had these quirky little things she would have to do when she cashed my check to get the money and put it to the side so she wouldn't have to see it so that she could get used to just working the money without the tithing. And I don't even understand that. But we made it through, right? Now it's not an issue. Obedience. You see, but God puts us on the honor system. He doesn't come and take it from us. Are you seeing this? This is an opportunity for you to show God how much you love him and appreciate him. It's like he set the whole thing up like, hey, I want you to give 10% of all that you you bring in. And he sits back to see who's going to be obedient, who's going to be grateful, who's going to be thankful. He uses the honor system. Gallup did some studies. It says that 20% of the church say that they tithe, but only 3% do. The rest of that 20% tip. They don't tithe the full 10%. 40% of the church gives nothing. But we want peace. I want financial peace. Lord, I need some financial peace. Okay. You want some peace? Give me 10%. And experience my peace like you've never experienced it before. Yeah, I told you you'd be shouting on that one. You know, I found that when people aren't tithing, they're usually cheating in other areas of their life also. So number one, the first principle to financial peace is obedience. Number two is contentment. When I grew up, there was only three channels on the TV. <laughs> and, it was, and I was the remote control. Come on, somebody. How many of you remote controllers out there? Come on, y'all feel, y'all feel my pain. I was the remote control. Get them to change that channel. But I like this show. You didn't like that show. You just didn't want to get up and change the channel. Right? But we had three channels. So we had to be content with what was on TV. Now they tell me you can buy a 200-something channel package. Cost you an, on, an arm and a toe. But you, but there's no contentment, right? The secret to contentment is gratitude. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the gratefulness for what you already have. That's contentment. Contentment says, Lord, I don't need anything else. I'm satisfied. I'm grateful for what I have right now. If you never do another thing for me, God, I'm grateful for all that you've done so far. Contentment. Paul says in 1 Timothy that yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Wow. What if we started counting our blessings as much as we counted our cash? Can I say that one more time? What if we started counting our blessings and being grateful for everything that God has given us instead of complaining about what we don't have? Number three, it's getting better for you or no? Just, it's just tough. It's just tough, Pastor. It's, it's just hard. This financial peace thing is just hard. Number three, margin. 
Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury. Who? The wise have wealth and luxury. But fools spend whatever they get. Marginless is crazy. Margin is calm. Marginless is called debt. Margin is surplus. Christmas is coming in two months. And some of you are already tempted to go beyond what you can financially bear to please people. What if you had a little margin this year? What if I could free you up this year and say you don't have to go that big? Say amen. Amen. Pastor Jamie said we don't have to buy that many Christmas presents this year. Now that's not an excuse not to buy your wife a Christmas present, guys. You're like, I just got out of that one. In the words of the great theologian Buddy the Elf, He said, I thought maybe we could make gingerbread houses and eat cookie dough and go ice skating and maybe even hold hands. Can you pull it back some? Will it be okay if you pull it back some and you don't finance Christmas? Okay. Number four, fourth principle is generosity. Psalms 112, verse 5, it says this, Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable. Generosity is not an act, it's a character quality. It's not an act, it's a character quality. It says who you are. If you're a generous person, it comes out of you, and it says who you are. That's who your character is. I finally gave away my $5 invite card this past week. I rolled into Wendy's to get me something to eat real quick, and I was thinking, and I, and I had my wallet, and I, had, I actually had two cards, and so I had two cards in my wallet, and I was like, man, like, what am I waiting for? You know, it's kind of like waiting for a word from God. You're like, Lord's going to speak to me to give this to somebody, and he will, okay? But he also said, if you have good in your hand to do, do it. So I'm sitting there, and there's two cards behind me in the line, and I'm like, mm, today's the day. I'm going to bless somebody at Wendy's. Pulled up there. I paid for my meal. Sweet lady gave me my food, gave me my, credit, my, my debit card back. I said, all right. And I said, hey. And I pulled it out, and she went. And by this time, there was like four people at the window. It's just it's coincidence. I'm like, hey, there's two cards. Can you give one to each of the cars behind me and just tell them God loves them? Oh, man, I wish I was in the car behind you. And one of them goes, you got a son that's not married? I'm like, wasn't asking for all that. I saved you, son. She's a little too old for you. But I gave it away, and I, and I drove off. I drove off, and I had my meal, and I'm kind of peeping in the mirror, and I see the next guy pull up, and, I, and, and can I be honest with you? I just got a little overwhelmed emotionally. It was the simplest thing, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a card. It's just a, a, a card with a $5 bill attached to it. And the card says, a little something extra to show you that God loves you. And on the other side, our Savior's church with, with times, I guess, on it or something. And, and I just, and it was just something simple. And I just blessed somebody. And, 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 and I got overwhelmed all of a sudden because I said, you know what? I started thinking, I wonder how they feel when they get the $5. I wonder how that guy felt when he rolled up there and he go, well, $5 all the way to you. You know, the, the guy in front of you gave $5 towards your meal. 
I wonder if he was like, well, why ain't give 10? You know you can't get no $5 meal. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> One of my friends told me he went to get some breakfast the other morning, and he said out of the blue somebody paid for his biscuit. And he was telling me how that made him feel. And I went, wow, generosity is a big deal. Wouldn't you agree? Generosity is a big deal. You know, it is really, it is really true that it is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yes. Receiving is fun. Don't get me wrong. I like to receive, but, but it, I'm more blessed when I give. When we walk into a room, we should look around for ways to help and to give and to serve. Amen? Number one, obedience. Number two, contentment. Number three, margin. Number four, generosity. Final principle is dependence. It's dependence. Let's wrap up the, the prodigal son story. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Our dependence should be on God. The moment we want to be independent is the moment we're in trouble. The moment you think, I don't need you, God, for this one, I got it, I'll call you when I need you, we're in trouble. You're already on the slippery slope. Some of you today, you're in a bad place financially. And if you are, I just want to encourage you with this one thing. Just own it. Just own it. And look at me. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Come back to the Father. Come back to your dependence on him. Ask him to forgive you. Resubmit to his lordship. And watch what happens. Amen? You may, you may be bad financially right now. And you may be under some serious stress. But you can change that. It's not the end. You see, the father didn't move away. The son did. The father remained the same and he remained in the same place. God will let you run if you want to run. God will let you be independent if you want to be independent. He knows well that your independence is going to lead to something that's going to one day turn you around and send you back to him. Amen? Here's the good news. He's waiting for you. He's waiting today for every one of us to come back. He's waiting. If you're stressed, run to the Father. You're one heartfelt, honest prayer away from real life change. Amen? These are the principles that bring financial peace into our lives. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this message. 
Lord, I know in my own life, I've been the creator of stress. I've been the guy that's made decisions without allowing you to even ordain my steps. Your word says that in my heart, I can plan my course, but you determine my steps. God, I've been guilty of planning my course and my steps. And so today, Lord, I want to repent. I want to ask you to forgive me. And if that's you this morning and you've, you've made some financial decisions without God, you've gotten yourself in a bind, or maybe you're not in that bind yet, but you just come to a realization that I've been doing some things on my own, you can, you can ask for forgiveness today also. Just ask him, just say, Lord, please forgive me for being independent with my money, with my finances, with my possessions. And God, today,